Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, clean styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. Now, in this episode, I'm a known acolyte of the Saison order. I've written many times about the versatility of the style and the myriad ways to use the spicy, earthy dryness to make truly excellent beer. I also love hops. But hops and Belgian yeast historically have been quite a bit of a bear to make work. Here are my tips and tricks about maximizing your hoppy saison quality. But first, a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association, a group of more than 40,000 individuals from more than 70 countries who share a passion for brewing and enjoying great beer. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. So welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's just me today talking to you about this because, well, Denny's not so much of a Cezanne guy, so here I am. Now, why talk about this particular subject? Right? You know, hey, just go throw hops into the Belgian beer. Well, for years and decades and whatnot, the hoppiest Belgian beer that I knew of, like that was actually really a good hoppy beer, was the Duranka Double X Bitter. For whatever reason, either tradition or process or I think the yeast, Belgian brewers never really embraced hops in the sort of brisk way that we that we Americans have. Now, again, Duranka XX Bitter, or Vols, another good exception, but by and large, not a ton of super hoppy Belgian beers, at least in the past. That has changed recently. Uh, if you go and you listen to Denny's trip to Belgium from a couple of years ago, you'll hear him talking about that as well. Why? I mentioned yeast. To me, I think the biggest problem that you get in Belgian beers and hops is a mismatch between the strong, spicy phenol notes that you get from the most of these yeasts. You know, you stop and you think about it, most Belgian yeasts will give you pepper, nutmeg, clove, you know, a lot of that phenol, eugenol-type character. And that really doesn't work so well up against a lot of the aroma compounds that we find in traditional hops, particularly. You know, they kind of either say some of the semi-rotted spicy notes that you get from noble hops, dank earthy weediness of some English hops, and a lot of the, the hops that you find in Belgium as well. Or, you know, particularly the citrus and pine notes is so very common in earlier American hops. It's just been sort of difficult. Now, I know of those two examples that I talked about, Duranka XX and Orval, use very traditional continental style hops. 
And remember that they also, uh, continental hops, one of the other problems with them is that they tend to be lower alpha. It means you got a lot more hop material in there, so you get that kind of chewy hop tea thing going, you know, like you're chewing on a hop leaf. They always had problems, but uh, Dronka XX somehow has managed to use Brewer's Gold, grown in Belgium, and made a wonderful beer out of it. I know Orval, at least back in the day, was using some offshoots of Fuggles, but those traditional continental hops with their tea-like tannic structures and their spiciness, they, they didn't quite work. You know, what you would get is you'd get the complementary phenol notes from the hops, but then you'd get all this sort of tannin note from the, the hop matter itself and it just kind of made everything sort of chewy and bleh. Now, that starts to change, I think, really when we start to see the rise of newer hop varieties, things with higher alpha acid, higher oil contents, different expressions of hop character. The big one to me, the one that I always kind of consider to be the, the crossover point, would be Amarillo. And then, of course, Citra. I remember when those hops first got introduced, they rapidly became adopt- adopted because, hey, these are new. They're they're clean. They're bright. They're fruity. And Amarillo, in particular, I remember that became sort of a backbone of Oublon Chouf from Brasserie Chouf, which was another one of these Belgian IPAs, for lack of a better way to put it, that actually really sang the hops along with the yeast character. I'm trying to remember what Oublon Chouf is. Zotz, to keep some of that traditional in there. The aforementioned Amarillo, and then Warrior, you know, everybody's favorite neutral bittering hop. And again, you can use the continental hops, like again, looking at uh, Brewer's Gold and Holotel Milfru and Duranka. The Duranka, by the way, actually surprisingly comes in a 60 to 65 IBU range. Kind of surprising for a Belgian beer. A lot of times I don't think of Belgian beer as being that particularly hoppy. But again, that's also the reason why Duranka's XX is world class. One other thing I do think is interesting to note. So on the one hand, we have these new hops like Amarillo and Citra. Lord knows, Galaxy and Mosaic. I wouldn't use Mosaic. Uh, too much of that plasticky thing. But these new hops with new sort of fruit, fruit forward expressions do actually seem to work pretty well. One other interesting thing to note about that Brewer's Gold over in Taranka XX, Brewer's Gold is one of those hops that Yakima Chief has been talking about in their survivables guide. If you go and you read the, the Survivables pamphlet, or you go and watch any of the talks that they've been giving, or go back and listen to the episode where we interviewed them, you'll hear them talk about a lot of these different hops. Brewer's Gold actually scored the highest in terms of Survivables. Everybody's kind of been focusing on like the Idaho 7s of the world and whatnot, but Brewer's Gold, old hop, lots of survivable compounds. So I think that may be in part why it works so well in the Dronka XX. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the yeast character and how some of that can be clashing. We'll try and solve this problem. My very first piece of advice on making a hoppy Belgian beer, particularly a hoppy saison, don't go for all the IBUs. Remember that something like a saison yeast, particularly something like, say, 3711, ferments like a monster. It takes out most of the sugar that you're expecting to have. You go and you look at a regular IPA, there's still a fair amount of residual sweetness in there to help back up all this bitterness. You're not going to get that same thing with a Saison strain. So be a little bit careful about how much IBUs you put in there. Again, Duranka is 60-65, which I kind of consider to be an outlier, an unusual one. I will usually stick somewhere closer to about one-to-one, which is uh, on the BUG scale, which is, you know, I mean, that's traditional for an IPA, but I'm also usually going down around, say, like 1050. So 1050 gravity beer, 50 IBUs. In order to build up that structure, that 1050, I I actually don't really deviate too much from my traditional Saison recipe. Mostly pills. A lot of times I'm using just Weyermann Bohemian Pilsner. 
I uh, do want to kind of play around with some of the Barca pills. Also using some of the nice craft maltsters around, you know, Root Shoot, Mechagrade, these guys. They can all give you a good pills malt that will actually give you some good character, right? Because, again, I'm not shooting for a lot of complicated malt in here. So get a good pills. Put that as your base. Almost always, I'll have an adjunct in there. A lot of times it's wheat, either wheat malt or flaked wheat, oats, oat malt, spelt. I know uh, there are people out there who are doing things like triticale. Go raid the uh, grain selection at your local health food store. You'll be able to find some good things. I will also give you a little tip here. I think if you're going to go for a more old school hop character, you know, using your brewer's gold and your middle fruit, like, or any of those things, you know, Y Valley Goldings, Steering Goldings, any of the Holotars or Tetanings. If you're going for that more old school continental thing, then I would actually suggest giving a fair amount of a good proteinaceous adjunct. So oats, or particularly spelt. You're seeing a lot of people using spelt up against hoppy saisons. I think it actually works pretty well. One other thing I will do, and I know this may seem contradictory since I'm telling you use the malt to build up some character because you're going to lose a lot of your sugar due to the saison yeast. I still like to put a little bit of sugar in there. Not much, less than 10%. You know, so I'm not going like a Belgian golden or Belgian triple where it's 20 to 30% of the gravity is coming from sugar. I like to keep it down around 10%. Corn sugar is fine. Don't go fancy here. Or even sucrose, plain old sucrose. So again, pills, adjunct, sugar, that's your base. When we're looking at your water, I actually, for the, the hoppier versions here, I actually like to have a little more sulfate in my water, but not going to IPA levels. I'm still shooting somewhere around, say, 90 to 100 ppm, just to give me a little bit more dryness, a little bit more hop promotion. Again, not trying to push it. Don't go bur- full burden with this. On the mash... I'm lazy. You guys know this. I've said it many times. I'm a lazy man. And so for the mash, a lot of times it's just a single infusion mash, 148 degrees for 45 to 60 minutes, 70 minutes if I really want to push it, or I get distracted. This happens. And having said that, you can always follow a traditional Saison mash guidelines. I've written up the PPA one somewhere, uh, and I'll include a link to it. And in my mind, if you're really, really worried about the Saison yeast stripping everything out of there. It might actually make some sense to do a, a multi-step infusion mash. I'll actually have to double check this and experiment with it. Using something like the PPM method is pretty close to like 120 to 135 to 148 to 155, 156, and then up to mash out, you know, multiple short rests. Is it needed? Probably not. But again, that's the reason why I do mostly a single infusion mash, 148, 60 minutes, call it a day. Go pet your dog. Now, hops. Talked a little bit about hop selection up top. I know this is going to come as a huge surprise to everybody. I almost always use Magnum. Yep, big old bittering charge of Magnum. Again, trying to get somewhere around 80 to 85%, maybe 90% of my IBUs from that Magnum charge. Why Magnum? Neutral, clean, very little flavor, very little interference, and you don't get any sort of harsh raspiness from your, your bittering. I also think that's important here because again, I'm not trying to go for a Chinooky IPA. I want some bitter, but I don't want it to sort of linger too hard. If I'm using those traditional continental hops, if I'm again, if I'm using that Brewer's Gold or Steering Goldings, or I will tend to go slightly more traditional in my hop bill, 60 minute bittering charge with the flavor addition at say about 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes. 
and then a late hop added to the uh, to effectively knock out not really a whirlpool but just like you know five to zero minute charge and do that for those traditional varieties of hops. So again, your Holotars, your Tetanangs, your Brewers Gold, your Y Valleys, any of the Fuggles or Golding family, do this. Why do I do that? Because I actually think it builds up sort of a more round hop flavor for those hops. Remember, these are not very oil-heavy hops, so you need to build a lot of structure in. And so I think the bittering charge, still Magnum, but then give yourself a little bit more exposure. Still keep a light hand because, again, you don't want a lot of green material in here. Now, for newfangled American hops, so again, I'm looking at you, your Citrus, your Amarillos, your Idaho 7s, your Idaho Gems, any of these sort of new oil-rich hops that we've had over coming out over the last 15 years, I just do a bittering charge, again, still just Magnum, and then I'll do a large charge of Flameout hops. So this has changed over the years. If you look at my original Citrus Saison recipe, which, by the way, is still a fabulous recipe, it uses a little bit of Munich in there to sort of help fight some of that body drying problem. Not really doing that as much anymore. But it also had, I think it was a 10-minute charge or a 15-minute charge, etc. Lovely beer. Still do that. I tend to skip that charge these days and just go for a larger flame-out hop. Not really going for a whirlpool because, again, I'm not trying to make a Belgian IPA here. I'm not trying to make an American IPA. I'm trying to make a hoppy saison. And then lastly, dry hops. A lot of times I find actually that you don't need a dry hop because I think one of the things that actually really does cause a lot of conflict is the the difference in character that you get from the dry hops from something in the kettle up against what you get from the yeast. Now, of course, having said that, both Dronka XX and Orval both contradict me on that front because they both do dry hopping. Well, hold on. I know Orval does. I'm fairly certain Dronka does. But still, if you're going to dry hop, first take a taste of the beer. Make sure it is that something that you want to do. And then I would suggest doing some of the same stuff that we're talking about here with IPAs now, which is to do that shorter dry hopping cycle. Go cold if you want to emphasize some of those oils that, that get extracted at the colder temperatures like the linalool. Or just do them at a more traditional ale temperature, but still two days. Don't go longer than two, maybe three days at the most. Uh, in fact, more and more I talk to professional brewers. It's rare that I'm hearing people going, oh yeah, you know, we leave that, those hops in contact for seven days even now. Nowadays, almost all the contact times I'm hearing are down in that two to three range. Okay, and now, yeast. And this is going to be one of those places where I will contradict things I've told you in the past. Why? Because I'm human and humans are complicated creatures. So what am I contradicting here? The particular strain choice. 3711 is my strain of choice for any of these hoppy saisons. But, but Drew, Drew, you had said you never wanted to taste another 3711 beer in your entire life. This is true. I did say those things. And I still actually do believe those things. However, what I usually mean by that is I don't want to have another 3711-based Saison that doesn't have anything else going on with it. I find 3711 to be a non-offensive yeast, but not something that really delivers to me Saison. So that's the reason why I sort of poo-poo it, even though it gets used by just about every dang commercial brewer out there here in America, because it is a reliable monster fermenter. That's my problem with the 3711, usually. In this particular case, for a hoppy Saison, I actually really like 3711 here. By the way, when I say 3711, before I get too much further deep into here, 
I mean, any of the French Saison strains. So, you know, 37 lemons. Why use the French Saison? You got like Belle Saison, for instance. Mangrove Jacks has one. White Labs has a French Saison. If they're calling themselves French Saison, that's probably all the same strain. Why the 37 lemon in this particular case? Again, it's a big, clean yeast. It does have nice peppery notes. They're rather subdued. So one, I think that actually helps in terms of not having a big conflict with the hop character. Still get a nice backbone aroma and flavor, just not the most expressive yeast. So that's part one. Part two is even though it is a monster fermenter that will ferment the beer very, 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 very dry in terms of the final gravity, like 1004 is not uncommon. So like one degree Play-Doh or even less, 3711 produces a lot of glycerol. And so glycerol, think glycerin, think all those compounds, it's a big mouthfeel booster. It's a thickening agent. So when you taste one of these beers, it actually has a bit of thickness to it, a little bit of sweetness to it even, from that glycerol, from that yeast character. And so what that actually does is it gives you that bigger mouthfeel. It gives you that thing to bounce your your bitterness off of without actually losing your dry feeling, right? So it doesn't feel sugary sweet. It just feels lightly sweet. And it gives you a place to go where your bitterness isn't just going to come across your tongue like, say, a Stone Ruination IPA would have. So in this particular case, that's the reason why I like 37 Lemon. It adds those two characters. It adds a softer phenol character, which is good for blending in with the hops. And it also adds that glycerol characteristic. So 3711 works like a freaking charm. I know. I said I hate the yeast strain. And I do. It just has a big asterisk next to it. So now let's talk fermentation. If you're using one of those French Saison strains, so again, the YU's 3711, open fermentation, the thing I have preached for years about with using any of the DuPont strains, your 3724s, for instance, open fermentation isn't technically necessary. 3711 does very well under airlocks. It does, you know, again, that's why it's got its reputation as a monster fermenter. However, having said that, I still actually tend to do the fermentation open. It's just part of my established Saison practice. It does, I think, change the yeast character a little bit. Although, tasting side by side, a lot of people can't tell the difference. So, that may just be me talking myself into it. 3711, not necessary to do a open fermentation. If you are using something like the 3724, open fermentation. The other thing I will tell people, and this is still one of my big bugaboos about how a lot of people do Belgian beers in, in the state, particularly at the homebrew level, you don't need to overdo the heat. So a lot of people say, oh, I used 3711 and I fermented the thing at 85 degrees. It's not a quake strain. If you want something like that, go use a quake strain. I tend to find that the warmer that you push some things, including 3711, the more fusel character that you get. So don't do that. I think you'll get a better fermentation characteristic if you do the same sort of process I do with my other Belgians and my, my DuPonts, which is start at like 63, 64, let it stay there for a day or two, and then let it rise up, come up to 68 degrees, and then let it run to completion. And usually that's going to be seven to 10 days. After that point in time, go forth, dry hop if you're going to. 
it would be kind of interesting to see what happens if you did biotransformation with a, a Saison strain. I don't know. I don't know what the characteristics would be out of that. So that's one of those things I need to explore. So having said that, usually when I do a dry hop with a Saison, I do it at terminal gravity. I'm not doing any of the biotransformational steps. I mean, look, Saisons are already going to be slightly hazy to begin with. So who's going to know if you're making a hazy Saison on purpose? Dry hop, again, two days if you're going to do that there. One other thing I didn't mention, Brett. Okay, so Britannomyces backing up to the to the microbiological portion of things. Should you use Brett in a hoppy Saison? Orval uses Brett in their Belgian pale ale that's nice and hoppy. Should you use it? You can. I don't tend to, but then again, I'm not I'm I'm not one of the people out there who really likes mixed culture saison. If you are, I've had good luck doing uh Brett Clausini and uh, slash anomalous. I don't really like uh Brett Brooks in this sort of thing or Brett Lambicus. They're too earthy. I think they kind of interfere. They might actually well thinking about it, thinking about Orval, they'd probably go very well if you're doing a traditional hop approach. If you're doing a newfangled American approach. I would not do a Brett B or, or, or Brett L. So if you are going to do a Brett, you're going to need to give it a little bit of time. I think Orval gives their beer like what a month or two in the warm room where they do warm maturation. Say give your Brett into the beer. Well, it depends if you want a, a light Brett character, you know, if you want to kind of suppress some of that Brett character. A lot of studies have shown that if you do a co-pitch with your, your yeast, you know, right in primary, you'll get a more subdued brick character, oddly. Uh, if you put it into the beer either in secondary, if you put it in during packaging, you'll get a more pronounced brick character. So if you want to be more subdued with your brick early on in the process. My problem is I think Brett kills some of the, the hop flavors. And so if you are going to do Brett and you're going to do it early, you might want to emphasize more dry hop. That's your fermentation. Got you your water. Got you your hops. Got you your malt bill. Package that thing. Make sure you give it a fair amount of carbonation. Don't do the usual uh, American thing and have your beer at 2.5, 2.75. A lot of professional breweries will do that because they're putting things onto bar systems that don't necessarily have the ability to change draft line resistance. You know, So if you try to put a more highly carbonated beer onto a standard length of line, you get foam out the other side. So a lot of American breweries tend to standardize on the, on those sort of standard pressures, 2.5, 2.75. We're home brewers. What do we care? Either you buy yourself a pressure changing faucet, you know, one of the ones with the nice little flow control on it, or you just get a longer length of beer line and carbonate this puppy to three, three, three and a half. How far you have, what settings that means on your PSI, how much sugar that means is all going to be dependent upon how much CO2 you still have in solution. So you can go check out our carbonation show where we talked about uh, packaging. Follow those instructions. But again, I like to have brisk carbonation. I want this beer to feel alive. I want this beer to sparkle in the glass. And I want it to pop all those hop notes. All right, so I know this has been a super quick exploration. The key points to take away, make sure you have enough good, interesting malt character in there. But don't overdo it. Don't try and build like a, a 500 grain bill. Use a good solid base malt. So again, like the Wireman Bohemian Pills, which is in a lot of my Saisons, give a nice adjunct in there, something like a wheat, a spelt, the notes, 
you know, whatever you feel like. Uh, just just to give a little bit more protonation to this character, again, you're fighting two impulses here. You're fighting the dryness induced by the yeast and the bitterness of the hops, right? And that sort of, you know, the drier the beer is, the more bitter it's going to seem. The drier it is, the more harsh the bitterness is going to seem. So if you can give yourself a little bit more resistance, you'll get a, a better product at the end of the day. Keep your water simple. Simple mash, single infusion, 148, maximize fermentability. And then get yourself a nice healthy pitch of your favorite Saison yeast going. 3711 in this particular case for a hoppy one is actually a really good place to start. And then on the hops, just remember, don't overdo it. Keep those BUs and GUs kind of in line. So again, if you're going for a 1055 beer, don't really push above 55. If you're going for a 1060 beer, keep it at 60. You know, don't push hard on the hop character. And again, I, me being me, I like that brisk bitterness. That's the reason I'm still going for those kettle additions in that way. It would be interesting to see how a hazy approach works here where you're doing a lot of late kettle additions. But again, those, those flavor profiles aren't generally my jam. So that's the reason why I'm doing this. So again, there you go. A couple of key tips, quick show, get out there, make yourself a hoppy saison. Thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this look at hops and the world of Saison with all the new information coming out about survivable compounds, people doing their hazy sort of no-kettle edition type transformational hopping, and all these new hop flavors that veer away from sort of the traditional. I think there's even more room to explore, so stay tuned. Now, remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at ESP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, just about every homebrew forum out there. And remember, of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the AHA, Amazon, Brewers, Friends, or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is Project Freedom Ride. Go rescue some pups. Get them homes. So until next time, remember, the brew is out there. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. The Seltzer Sensation is here, and our friends at Mangrove Jacks have specifically formulated their newest craft series yeast for making home-brewed hard seltzer. The Mangrove Jacks hard seltzer yeast and nutrient produces a clean, neutral flavor and aroma profile, allowing you to get creative with your hard seltzer recipe. Homebrewers can use this blend of yeast and nutrient in their own seltzer recipes, or choose from one of the new Mangrove Jacks hard seltzer recipe kits, which are formulated to make up to five gallons of refreshing 4.5% seltzer. The kits come in three thirst-quenching varieties, Raspberry Breeze, Lemon and Lime Smash, and Pineapple Sunset. 